Now, I've been, I think I've studied the Trinity on and off for I don't know how many years. And I've had kind of this message that I've been working on for a couple years probably. And I read books and studied and all kinds of things that I can find available to uh, help people understand the Trinity. And would you put up the first slide, please? Oh, you can't even see that very well. Huh? Well, the lines, to sh- it's supposed to be a triangle, and it doesn't show on that up. But anyway, it kind of gives you the idea. The Father is not the Son. The Father is God. The Son is not the Father. The Son is God. This Holy Spirit is not the Father, is not the Son. He is God. And that's kind of a hard thing for us to, you know, kind of grasp. And when we're studying the principle about the Trinity, we need to understand that when we've eliminated every other possibility of what God is, what's left is what God is. No matter how, how improbable, no matter how we can, whether we can understand it or not. Because biblical truth is not based on our understanding of it. And a lot of, there are things we have to take by faith. But there is a principle that's taught in the Bible that we, we can grasp. And uh, so we're going to kind of look at that to a certain degree this morning. I put up the next things. Now these are some verses that uh, people use, and I'll explain it in a minute. Exodus 6.6, 6, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. Some people say, see, God has got an arm. Matthew 3.12, whose fan is in his hand? See, God has a fan, has a hand. Psalm 68.23, that thy foot may be dipped in the blood of thine enemies. See, God has a foot. Behold, excuse me, Psalm 11.4, his eyes behold, his eyelids, his eyelids try the children of men. See, God has eyes. But then we have all one verse is thrown in there that messes that whole theology up about God being a man. And it's in Psalms 91.4. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. Now God's a chicken. <laughs> you know, we sit there, and a lot of people go through these verses, and they try to trap us. And they say, see, we read all these things. Oh, and we got thinking, yeah, God is a man. God is, oh, yeah, yeah. And then we hit that one and says, God's a chicken. And it messes up the theology. So remember that verse. There's more in the Bible I could give you that are similar. And that if you want to find them, you can. Look up arm, fam, and whatever, and you'll find these verses. But remember the 90, Psalm 91.4, because that will mess up their theology all in one verse. And how many know that there is no contradictions in the Bible? From Genesis to Revelation has to be one theme and one message. So if something doesn't seem right in a verse, when people cherry pick it, then you've got to study it. Remember, God told us to study his word to show thyself improved. He didn't say read it. There's a whole difference. We can read, but then when we study, we dig into what it really means. And that's where we get most of the message that we need for our spirit is by studying. And in this day and age, I'm not kidding you, I would have loved to have all the things available to me that you have today. The internet. Man, the internet wasn't even invented yet. People go, wow, wow, you're old. Yes, I am. (laughs) So I was trying to do these things, and it was through books. And I have lots of books. I have thousands of books that I have. And I read, and I study, and all this other kind of stuff. But now you have so many things available to you that you can just look it up. But you've got to be careful, because if you don't know this word, you can be bounced from one thing to the other. 
So you got to understand uh, the basic premise of what you believe. And uh, Deuteronomy 26:29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Now, all the secret things belong to God. We are never going to be able to understand every single thing that there is in this Bible. We can't. Because if we could, then we'd be God and we wouldn't need God. And it wouldn't be divine. We are going to be able to, God reveals things to us so we can understand some of these mysteries. And there were a lot of mysteries in the Old Testament that was revealed in the New Testament in Christ. And now we're looking backwards and we see how they, how they played out and all the prophecies that pertain to Christ and his birth and his death and his resurrection. All those things were in there from, from the beginning in Genesis. We can read that stuff. But they didn't fully understand all of it. And we didn't, couldn't have understood all of it until Jesus was revealed and he was born and he died. Then all of a sudden we look back at the Old Testament and we see how these verses fit right into what he did. That's why we need to study it. See, the Jewish people, they know the Old Testament. They don't believe in the New Testament. They believe in the Old Testament. But everything about God that we, we can learn is revealed in the Old Testament too. That God just didn't all of a sudden wake up when, you know, when Jesus died and say, okay, now we got a trinity. He was always a trinity. From the beginning of time, God was always a triune being. Triunity is actually a better word than trinity. And uh, so, but no matter how we try to explain the trinity to somebody, I'm not going to be able to do it. I mean, I can kind of give you an overview and give you some of the information that you're going to need, but no one's going to, I don't fully understand it, and I spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours studying it. How about you, Brother Cliff? <laughs> we are not. So if you think you're going to get that, you're not. There's going to, you're going to reach a point when you've eliminated everything else, even though it doesn't make sense, that's what God is. And uh, so we got to make sure that we understand that. Now, a lot of people think that, hey, if I can't understand it, I can't believe it. Well, then I ask those people, do you understand electricity? Usually they'll say no, because I don't understand electricity. Very few people understand electricity. Then I says it does not exist then, because... If you can't understand it, it can't exist. I don't understand how a computer works. I don't understand these smartphones we carry around, all the technology that's there. But, so if I don't understand it, by their theology, it means it doesn't exist. So we need to relate those kind of things to people to make them say, oh, yeah, I don't have to understand everything that there is to believe it. So you need to remember examples that you can give people because they don't know. All they know is what they're told. Most of the people you're going to talk to haven't studied to the degree that you know. And you only know this stuff through Christ. We only have that stuff in our hearts because Christ died on the cross for our sin, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us and transforms us, and he's the one that feeds us answers when we need them. I've come up with answers of stuff that I know I didn't study. And you can say, where did that come from? God. God drops things into your heart, and you, know, you wonder where it came from. It's God, and he does that. So, I mean, we're sitting there, we're terrified to talk to people because, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know anything. Oh, I have to call pastor and ask them. No, you don't. There are things you may not understand, and you may need to go back and ask uh, uh, to be able to research an answer, but it gives you two times to talk to somebody. So sometimes it's good for that because then it lets them know what you don't know everything. And it's okay not to know everything. I don't know everything. 
Because if I knew everything, and I knew everything that I know and everything that God knows, I'd be better than God because I'd know more than God. But we don't. We're not going to know any everything. <clears throat> now, even though the word isn't found in the Bible, doesn't mean that it isn't taught from Genesis to Revelation. The word Bible, omniscience, which means all-knowing, omnipotence, all-powerful, omnipresent, everywhere at the same time, aren't found in the Bible either, but we use them. Now, the greatest reason that people struggle with the doctrine of the Trinity is miscommunication. We don't really understand a lot of things, and we're talking to somebody, and we're on a different wavelength. We need to define terms when you're talking to somebody. Now, you, the first thing I ask people is, do you believe the Bible is without errors? If they say no, then we have a problem. Because if they believe that there are errors in the Bible, then they can't, then whatever they want to pick out of here is true, and whatever they want to pick out of here, they're false. But when I ask them that, I ask them, I said, okay, which, what are the errors? What are the things that aren't true? Tell me. And they don't know. All they know is the canned thing that they've been taught, that there's errors in this thing. It's only God's word as far as it is translated correctly. But nobody can tell us what is not translated correctly because they don't do the search, the research. And I guarantee you, every, every error that somebody comes up with, if you study it, it's not an error. Our language is very limited in comparison to trying to understand uh, biblical truth. Our language limits what we, what we can do and what we understand. And so when you're translating something into a different language, it's harder to do. But we still have the original manuscripts. Don't let anybody tell you, yeah, it's been translated so many times, we don't know what was in it. Yes, we do. They have the original manuscripts, and they, that's where they got them from. When you get the, the NIV, I like the NIV, that's the one I use mostly. It was translated from the manuscripts. Yeah. Earlier when we had the King James only theology, because that was basically the only Bible there was, and I cut my teeth on it. I don't have a problem with King James. But these new in, uh, versions or these new translations are good too because they're going from the, from the original document or from the original manuscripts. Before, when the first uh, translations came out, they went from the King James and translated it. That's why we had some issues with those things. But now they go back to the original language, and there's a bunch of theologians. This isn't just one guy that did that. They probably had 100 people that were sitting there, and they were going through it, and they were, they were translating it into the language that best fits or helps us to understand it. Now, I'm thankful for those languages. I'm thankful for those translations. But if I have a problem with it, I can go back and I can look it up. Yeah. I can look at the King James. I can look at the NIV. I can look at the New Living Translation. I can look at all these translations. And it's amazing the meaning that you're going to get when you do that. But see, it takes work. It takes being able to do those things. And when you do that, God honors your effort and he drops truth into your heart. So we don't have to, don't worry about that. Don't worry about somebody trying to trip you up. But when you're talking to somebody, define terms. Because if they don't believe that, then anything they want is truth. And something isn't true just because somebody believes it. If it is, every doctrine in the world would be true, wouldn't it? Can you imagine this world, what a mess it is? It's in a mess now. Because people believe a certain theology. And that theology isn't true according to the Bible. Why are we having problems today? Theology, a religion that isn't, isn't based on the God of the Bible. It's based on somebody's interpretation of stuff. And we're in a mess. But if they wanted to study and go back to the original language, you see, the, the, even the uh, Muslims believe in the Old Testament. 
problem with that. They don't have a problem with Jesus. He believed, they believed he was a prophet. Well, that's a start. <laughs> He's more than a prophet. But see, when you go back to here, you don't have the problems. But if you're talking to somebody who believes there's heirs everywhere, no matter what you tell them, you're going to say, well, that's the part they ain't translated correctly. How do they know? Because it tells them they're in sin. It convicts their heart. So if I'm convicted, then there's got to be something wrong with that because I'm perfect. Now, we may not say that, but we think it in our heart. So we need to define terms to people. <clears throat> now, we communicate by means of examples. But see, we have a problem if something we're trying to describe is unique. I know we always say when somebody asks what something tastes like, we said it tastes like chicken. What does that taste like? It tastes like chicken. <laughs> And instantly, we've tasted chicken, so we kind of know what chicken tastes like. So when we're talking to somebody, we try to give them examples of stuff. And we say, this is what it's like. And it relates to something that they know. Chicken, it tastes like chicken. Or it's like driving a car. Or whatever it might be. And Jesus did the same thing, didn't he? He used parables. And he said, the kingdom of God is likened unto, or like this. And then he gives us an example trying to help us to, to kind of grasp what it's like. But it isn't going to be the full understanding of that. It's just kind of a hint of stuff. Because our language is not capable of doing that. Our language is based in time, past, present, future. And so it's very limited. Because we have a God that lives exists outside of time. Remember, God created time. There wasn't a time until God created it. But see, God lived outside of time, and the only time God lived within the limits of time was when Jesus became a man. He stepped from eternity into time. That's the only time that he existed within time. And God created time. So <clears throat> we need to understand that we can't change truth to line up with our understanding. But that's what we do. We try to make it fit our belief system, and we can't do that. When you come to the Word of God, you've got to read it for what it says. Even if it doesn't make sense in our, in our understanding, that's what it means. And as, as the more we study it, the more revelation God will give us about it. So we need to understand that. Now, this is why the people try to change Father, Son, Holy Spirit into three gods. Because they don't really understand it. Because that, that mode doesn't fit the Bible. Isaiah 40, 25. To whom... Will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Uh, Isaiah 43, 10c. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Amen. Isaiah 46, 44, 6. This is what the Lord says. Israel, King's Redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me there is no God. Now God is unique. I mean, these scriptures really mess up a lot of people. Because they says there is no other God formed. No God ever. I've looked and there isn't any. <laughs> now, if God looked, it doesn't exist because God sees everywhere at the same time. See, we don't understand how he can do this because we're trying to fit God's attributes into our, our reality. And we can't do that because God's outside of time, outside of our reality. And I've told you many times that, that everything that God created is like a snow globe. And God's outside the snow globe and everything else in the universe is inside that. And he sees everything that goes on and everything that's in there. So we're in there. And the universe is still expanding. How many know that? Yeah. It's expanding. Every single day the universe is expanding. And people say, oh, the earth is 10 billion years old. No, it's not. 
They say, well, how do we know that? Because it takes, what is the speed of light? 285,000 miles per, fast. it's fast anyway. 285,000 miles an hour or something, what, a second? It's what? 186,000 miles per second. That's the speed of light. And now we can see the sun, and we know the sun is 96 million miles away, so therefore for the sun to reach us, it had to be 10 years old, millions of years old. But the reality is when God said, let there be light, he created it. And he went, whoa! And he pulled the light from where he created it out. That's why it's still expanding. So the light was instantly there, so we didn't need 10 million years. It goes, wah, and it's there. If you ever fly our car lights do that. You're backed up on the light, and the light goes with you this way. Well, that's kind of what God did with light. So don't let him try to mess you up with that stuff. God said something, he spoke, and it was, and he didn't need millions of years to do it. He could have, but he didn't need it. <clears throat> we describe the Trinity as three persons, and then we try to define the word by what we think it means. A little girl in Sunday school was drawing a picture with her friends. Her teacher asked her what she was drawing. The girl said, I'm drawing a picture of God. But nobody knows what God looks like, her teacher said. To which the little girl replies, they will when I'm finished. <laughs> you know, we all have all this interpretation of what we think God looks like. Why do we have so many doctrines? Because people are defining God by what they think he looks like. And when we do that... It doesn't usually line up with this. James White defines the Trinity as within one being, that is God, there exists three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity means that God is three persons, and each person is divine, yet there is only one person. Now, normally when we use the word person, that's why, that, that's why we get confused about this, because we think, I'm a person, you're a person, there's another person, and we're all separate beings. But see, God isn't like that. Persons just can only describe the different attributes of God or the different personalities that God has. One, one, one of God is the Son, God is the Father, and God is the Holy Spirit. And we can understand that. But we got to realize that we are also triune beings, aren't we? God created us triune beings, so just look at yourself. We're a body, soul, and a spirit. Why is it so hard for us to believe that God exists as a triune being, or triunity of being, I should say, and we are? We're a triune being. We are body, soul, and spirit. We just don't have the ability to be able to live outside of who we are. I'm me, you know. One of these days I'll die and this shell will be lived here, lived, left here, but the personality, my soul and spirit, my eternal part of who I am, and my personality will be with Christ at that instant. Then one day I will be reunited with my body. But we are triune beings. So God created us an image, that's what he did. <coughs> Okay, now a lot of people don't have a problem believing the Father is God. They don't have a problem with that. They do have a problem with believing that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are God. And I've heard a lot of people talk about that. Oh, yeah, that's just, he's just the Son of God, and he's not God, and he's all these other things. But we need to understand that there is. Now, uh, uh, Ephesians 4.30. Oh, I forgot to put that up there. It's in purple, too. Next slide. Okay. Um, and do not grieve. The Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. A lot of people believe that the Holy Spirit is just a force. How many of you heard that? The Holy Spirit is just a force. It's just a thing that moves stuff around. Well, really? How can you uh, grieve a force? 
Can you grieve a force? Can you grieve your uh, water when you turn on the hose? Can you grieve it? That's a force. You can't grieve a force. It has to be a person. You only can grieve a person. And it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is the one that seals us. The Holy Spirit is the one that changes us. The Holy Spirit is the one that lives within us. And the Holy Spirit is God. God living within us. And that's what it is. <clears throat> Acts 5, 4c. You have not lied to, to just human beings, but to God. You can't lie to a force. See, a lot of people throw all these verses out and they just say, well, God's just a force. And they give you a bunch of humbug stuff, baloney about it. And it sounds reasonable. But it isn't reasonable because the Bible, as you can see, calls the Holy Spirit God. You can't lie to a force. And so we need to understand, when we understand that the Bible teaches that the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all God, whether we can understand it or not, we, we can kind of get a grasp on it. It's the Holy Spirit's the one that changes us. He, he's the one that lives with us. He empowers us, opens our understanding to truth, guides and directs us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is the one that touches our life. And that's the God, that's the God that we feel. I tell people I wouldn't serve a God I couldn't feel. People go, I never felt God. Well, you need to, you need to get on your knees until you can. Because God intended us to be able to feel him and know that he's there. Are there days that I don't feel God? Yes. Are there days I don't know what's going on? Yes. But there's not a day he's not with me because he promised to be there, even if I can't sense him. So we need to understand that God through the, is the Holy Spirit that lives within us. The hardest one of the triune being that people have trouble with is Jesus. Because he was born a man, so therefore he's the son of God and he's not God. And I've had people tell me this, and it's just baffled me from the persons that did it. John 1 through 5, 1, 1 through 5, 14 and 18. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That should end it right there. That should end it. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And verse 18, no one has ever seen God. Ooh, that messes everybody up. See, no one has seen God. No one has seen God the Father. Remember, we're dealing with a triune being, and the word can't contradict itself. Now, if Jesus is God and people see, saw Jesus... That's contradiction. No, it isn't. The Father and the Son aren't the same person. We need to understand that. But the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is the, as in, in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Now, unbelievers can do all the translation gymnastics they want with these verses, but the bottom line is it says that Jesus was God. Amen. There's no getting around that. And we have to know that he was God, even though we don't understand how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all can be God and yet be one being. We need to understand that. Usually if we understand that he is God, then things take on a different meaning. Like I said, remember, no matter how improbable, whether we understand it or not, this is what the Bible teaches. <clears throat> For Jesus to create everything, he had to exist before everything. 
That make sense? Can't create something if you're not there. Some people think that, that uh, Jesus was just like the Adam, and he's called the second Adam. But remember, with Adam, the whole body was prepared, and the, and the God breathed in him was just a regular uh, man, basically. He was without sin. He was made, created perfect. But Jesus, the only thing that, that was done for Jesus was a body was prepared for him. A special body was prepared. And then God stepped into that body. He stepped from time into that body. Now, I, I could do a whole series, and maybe I will, on the fact that of Jesus existing before he, he was born in a manger. There are so many what we call theophanies, and that is the pre-existent God that men have seen before he was born in a manger. And it proves that Jesus was always God. When he faced Joshua, and he's going to the land, and Joshua says, was going to fight him, and here he stands in all his glory. And he says, are you with us or are you against us? Man, he's going to take him on. He didn't care. <laughs> and he told him, he says, you know, who you are. And he fell down and he worshipped him. And an angel can't be worshipped. And he says, I am the captain of the host of heaven. Well, who is the captain of the host of heaven? The sun. The sun is the captain of the host of heaven. And we know that it was him because Joshua worshipping. And any time you see, see somebody falling down and it looks like he's worshiping an angel, he's not worshiping an angel, he's worshiping the son before he was born. And that's how we know that aspect. There are other times when uh, Daniel, when Gabriel come and talked to Daniel, and he fell down to worship, he says, don't worship me, I'm just a servant just like you. An angel won't accept worship. <clears throat> and you'll know the difference, I guarantee you'll know the difference. So we need to understand that. But Jesus was God. And when we look at that premise, when we read the Bible, that's what is revealed. See, we didn't, the, they didn't understand it so much in the Old Testament because it looked like, man, how can this happen? How can Jesus, how, how, can, how can the Messiah be God, and my God and my Lord and, and be my descendant? Didn't make any sense to David, but he knew it was going to happen. We can because we're looking backwards. But we need to understand this, and the Bible is very clear about it. It gives us plenty of examples. I'm just going to give you a few. Revelation 1.8. Oh, I forgot that one. Let me do this one first. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, we like to, the people like to pick this word out and say, see? See? But see, when you study this word, only begotten, you realize this was a one of a kind. There was no other. It was one of a kind that was never created before. And uh, where's that verse? Let me see. The one and only Son, he was one of a kind. That's what begotten means. I know there's a lot of people that think that God had a wife in heaven and all, we all were, were, were there before that. No. He says this is one of a kind. There was not any. God didn't have a wife in heaven. He didn't need a wife. Why would he need a wife? We try, try to fit that theology into what we understand because of this verse. But if you study this worst verse, you know that that isn't what it means. He was one of a kind. The body was prepared, and God stepped into it. He didn't need a wife for God to step into it, no matter what anybody says. And God was never alone. He always had the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were always there. So he wanted a God who didn't need us. God wanted us because he wanted to share his love. He had so much love he wanted to give, and he wanted to be, to be able to, to, to do that. So I don't understand all those ramifications, but that's the reality of it. Next slide. <clears throat> I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, who's talking here? 
This is Jesus in Revelation talking to John. Now, we read earlier about God saying, I am the first and the last. Wow, that's a conflict, isn't it? No, it isn't. Not when you understand that Jesus is God. If Jesus was just an exalted man, this doesn't make any sense. This blows our mind. We couldn't even understand it. Next verse. Uh, let's see. Oh, man. Where am I at here? I missed the one verse. I'll read it. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you have it full. Jesus has came so we'd be able to have real life. I, this isn't in my verse. It's left over from another one. John 5, 58 and 59a. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him. When he said, I am, they knew what he was talking about. Remember, out of the bush, talking to Moses, he says, I am that I am. And that's why they were going to stone him. Why? Because he claimed to be God. That's why. Now, if we, re we try to fit the fact that he was just an exalted man, and this doesn't make any sense. And you say, oh, man, that's got to be an error. No, it isn't. Not when you understand that Jesus was always God. John 20, 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. He was always God. You can't still call somebody God and worship unless they are. Now, you have to understand that in the Jews, for the Jews. For this to happen, there had to be a great revelation of it. John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. This was another instance where they wanted to stone him. But what he was really saying, I and my Father, we are one. Makes a little difference in the worst when you, when you, when you study it. So Jesus is one person with two natures, divine and human. That's where he, uh, when he stepped in to become a man, he took on a, a human nature so he could feel and sense the things that we do. So he'd be able to understand. Of course, he always understood. But we think that God needs to be, walk in our shoes to understand, don't we? And when somebody tells us, oh, I understand what you're going through, and they've never been through it, we say, oh, no, you don't. Don't we? They're just words. But see, Jesus didn't want to say that. I know what you're going through because I'm living within you in the Holy Spirit. He, st he stepped into a body prepared for him, and he walked the streets of this world. He suffered pain. He suffered betrayal. He suffered all those things. So he can say, yeah, I understand. And I died for all the sins in the world that will ever be committed, that were committed and ever will be committed. Jesus already paid the price for those. So if you're trying to punish yourself for your sins, you're... you're Wasting your time because God, they're paid in full. Yeah. When he died on the cross and said, it is finished, he tore up the debt. Yeah. And, he threw, and he covered it with blood. They just disintegrated it. And he can't, God can't see it. The, the only thing that God, God can't see through the blood. When, when we accept Christ as our Savior, I don't understand that. To me, that blows your mind. How can I accept Christ and all the sins that I've ever committed in my life be gone to where God says, I remember them no more? How can God not remember him? He's God. I don't understand it, but that's what it says, so I believe it. And Jesus didn't pray to himself. And if Jesus claimed to be God, he couldn't die for our sin because a liar couldn't die for our sin. Lying's a sin, isn't it? Thou shalt not bear false witness. Well, Jesus claimed to be God. So he's a liar or a lunatic or he's God. Those are your choices. And if he's, not, if he's not God, then he can't pay the price for our sin because he's a sinner. Does that make sense to you? Follow this stuff through and it makes more sense. He couldn't die for us if he wasn't God. Now, the Trinity doesn't mean that 
The Father's one-third God, and Jesus is one-third God, and the Holy Spirit's one-third God. It doesn't mean that. Every part, the Father is fully God, with all the attributes of God, omnipotence, and all that other kind of stuff that he is. Of course, Jesus knows it through the Spirit now, because he's walked into, into a different, different realm. And the Holy Spirit, they're all God, 100%. Their DNA is God. Now, we know all about DNA, don't we? I mean, can you, we leave our DNA everywhere, don't we? <laughs> we watch these, these CSI shows, and, and people sit in there, and they miss one little dot of, of DNA. And man, I'll tell you, they, they nailed you for that, because the, all of us are unique. Well, God is unique. But we have three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that have the same substance, the same essence, the same DNA. And we, can we understand it fully? No. But that's what the Bible teaches. So we just accept it. Because it's the only thing that makes sense. There was never a time the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were not the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That'll help you just right there. They didn't just become Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because somebody wrote it in the Word. God was always that. Remember, he stepped from eternity into time. There is a, uh, within the single essence of God are three persons who are distinct from each other with unique attributes or sub-distinctions of one essence. Put up the next slide, please. This is subordination within the Trinity in regard to order, but not in regard to substance. A difference in function does not mean inferiority, inferiority or of nature. Now, we know the Bible tells, a good example of it is that the Bible tells the wives to be submissive to their own husbands as unto the Lord. But being submissive to their own husbands as unto the Lord doesn't mean that we're not human. Doesn't change who we are, does it? It just changes our, our uh, what do you call it, job requirement or whatever you want to call it. I can't think of the word. But you understand it. You know, it, it, that's what the difference is. Just because of the difference in function does not mean inferiority of nature. Just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean that I'm higher up on the, the order than you are and you're inferior to me. No, it does not mean that. It doesn't mean that the district uh, officials are higher than me. Because I just have a different per, uh, job that I do, that I fulfill, and so do you. And that's what we need to understand. When we do that, it does not mean inferior, inferiority. I get it. So you kind of understand that to a certain degree? <clears throat> so, so the saying there are three persons of the God, at least some people believe there are three gods that work in partnership. Now, this is called tritheism, three gods or polytheism, many gods, as opposed to monotheism. Monotheism, monotheism, there we go, one God. And that's what we are, we're monotheistic, and that's what our doctrine teaches. The doctrine of Trinity is difficult but essential to our faith. Augustine, one of the earliest theologians, said this, anyone who denies the Trinity is in, in danger of losing their salvation, and anyone who tries to understand it is in danger of losing their mind. <laughs> you know, they've been trying to put all this stuff down to get something so simple that we can understand it. And it's hard. We just figure out everything that's there that says about it. There's no error. We put it all together. This is the only thing that makes any sense is God is one essence. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God. And uh, so it, it's hard for us. But there is a mystery concerning the triunity of God. Now, we don't hear a lot of sermons on this because nobody wants to talk about it because it's too hard. It's hard, I know. I've spent all the hundreds of hours I've spent, and I've got a better grasp on it, but I don't completely understand it either. I just accept it, just like I accept my salvation. 
If I had to understand my salvation before I got saved, I'd never got saved. We just accept it. Whether it makes sense, it doesn't make any difference. And so because we don't understand some of this stuff, we won't talk to Mormons, we won't talk to Jehovah's Witnesses because their uh, concept of God is different. And we're afraid, oh man, I can't get on that subject. Well, if you define your terms, and when they define their terms, ask them, chapter and verse. Where do you get that from? Where do you get it from? All you need is a couple verses to to do away with that. You don't need to worry about that because God will take care of you. I guarantee it. And if they ask you a question, go look it up. If you don't know, call us and we'll, we'll try to do our best to look it up for you. I mean, there's no reason that we should be afraid to talk to anybody because we have the truth in our heart. When the Holy Spirit lives within us, we have truth. And when the Holy Spirit dwells in us and speaks through us, we speak truth. The only time we get in trouble is we speak man. That's right, isn't it? We have a lot of problems in this world today because people speak man. Man's theology. But God has a different theology. We go God's way, we don't ever have a problem. And the Trinity is found as the foundation of our faith built on the Godhead. Our Trinity. And we have to understand it. People say, well, man, is it a big deal if I don't believe in the Trinity? Yes. I don't think you can be saved if you don't believe in the Trinity. Because in order to be saved, God has, Jesus has to be God. And that kind of messes everything up for a lot of people. And uh, so we have to believe that even though we don't understand it. And Jesus didn't die just to redeem us. He died so that we may know him. And Jesus said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to look at God, look at Jesus. That's what he was saying. I'm God, so hey, you want to know the Father? Know me. I know the Father. We're, we're, we're one God. We make up one God. We know. I know God. You want to know him? The Holy Spirit dwells within us so we may know him. <clears throat> God is one in substance, substance and three in persons. Now, the word of God is emphatic about God being one. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, this is one of the holiest verses, the key verses in Judaism. It's called the Shema. And this is the, uh, we have a, what is that little thing we have in the door at the house, Randy? A what? Medusalah or something, I don't know what it is. Inside that, that verse is in, in Hebrew. And everybody, every, every uh, hotel, if you ever go into Israel, has one of these on every single doorway. And every time they entered or left the house, they would touch it, reminding them that God is one. That's the verse that they have in there. And they have, of course, the continuing verses with that area, but that's it. But Judaism and Christianity are committed to believe in one God, and only one God. Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, God wasn't saying... I have to be the number one God on your list. He didn't say that. He says, I am the only God. You'll have no gods before me. Why? Because there's no gods. I'm the only God there is. So you can't have one before me. So every time we have a God before him, we've created our own little idol, haven't we? Right. I've even got a television program that uh, that's got famous on it, American Idol. We said, oh, did we really think about the name of that? American Idol. Because those people that are on there, people worship, don't they? They go in there and they, oh, 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 he's my king. Big deal. They're no different than you are. They're no better than you are. They just happen to be blessed in a different way than you are. Doesn't matter. God doesn't care about their, how good they can sing if they're using it for him. Well, how are you using what you're given? That's what matters. 
<coughs> we are not even to entertain other gods. Within one God, within that one supreme being, there are three distinct persons. Genesis 1.26 says, The God, see, then God, Elohim is the word that's used here for God, said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, the Trinity is re revealed in the opening chapter, and it says, Let us, singular, and yet it's plural. A lot of people get messed up on this verse and say, Who are they talking to? Philip said, Well, he was talking to the angels. No, he wasn't. So we're talking to each other, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. Now, why would he say that to an angel? An angel can't create nothing. Well, who creates? God creates. And just because God creates through the Son doesn't mean he's inferior. Just because uh, the Son set the Holy Spirit doesn't mean the Son is inferior or the Spirit. So when we understand this and we come to these verses, see, they didn't understand how, how can that be? Because they know that this is a plural then God, plural, Elohim, plural, let us. Doesn't make any sense if there's only, if he just got one, one thing that isn't three persons. He doesn't talk to himself. <coughs> uh, this is also a revelation of the communion because of, with each, in fellowship with each other. They talk to each other. We know that because the Bible tells us they do. There's a false belief called modalism. Some Christians believe without realizing and, and heresy, and the heresy. And modalism basically says there is one God that manifests himself at different times in three different modes or persons. This may sound okay, but it means that God appeared at times as the Father, like the voice in the burning bush. At other times, God appeared as the Son, like when he came into the mode of the Son and lived on the earth for 33 years. And then at other times, he came in the mode of the Holy Spirit. You see what's wrong with that? But a lot of people believe that. A lot of them get trapped up into that, trying to explain something they can't explain with our language. Here we see three persons revealed in three different ways, and that's not the belief of the Bible and the, and the church. It's not that which is what we believe. Another heresy uh, was Gnosticism, which some of them believe that as long as you accept their beliefs, they will accept yours. Tolerance? Okay, well, just accept your belief. You accept ours. But see, the problem we have today, they want us to accept theirs, but they, you know, but they won't accept ours, right? That's where we're at. Others believed it was a matter of obtaining a certain knowledge only through their group and by performing rituals. You can only get saved and go to heaven if you join our church. If that's a requirement, don't go there. Because to join that church isn't going to get you to heaven. There's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus. It's not by entering the building of a, a man-made doctrine. Can't happen. So we need to understand that in performing rituals. You have to do this thing in order to be saved, and it has to be through our group. It has to be through our person that we're doing this. That isn't what the Bible teaches. Jesus teach, taught that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, not through a man's religion. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. Christ, and the cross was God's attempt to meet each man. And they've refused to reach, reach out to God and accept God in the way that he wants us to accept, be accepted because they have to change some things in their life. And we don't like that. So we make up our own rules. We make our own regulations. Say, well, you're good enough. Huh? If you haven't come through Christ, you're never going to be good enough. Because if you could have been good enough, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come. Another form of Gnosticism was called dualism and taught that everything material was evil while what was spiritual was good. 
Now, the church believes that three distinct persons of the Godhead coexist together at all times. They coexist. I don't have to understand that. I just know that's what it teaches. And we have to realize that we just have to accept what it says. I don't, I'm never going to be able to understand it, and neither are you. And I've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours doing it and read books and books and books and books on it. And this is just kind of the synopsis of everything that I've, that I've kind of come about. Now, modalism is easily shown to be wrong at the baptism of Jesus. And this is where a lot of people get messed up and they say, man, at the baptism of Jesus, we have the Father talking. We have the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And we have Jesus in the water. We have all three of them there at the baptism. Man, that really messes everything up. How do you explain that? The Trinity. It's really easy. The Trinity is the only explanation. Some people say, well, who, who was Jesus talking to when he prayed? Was he talking to himself? No, he was talking to the Father. Because they communicated back and forth. Now, don't let people try to mess you up on, a, on one thing. Because they try to get you and they say, okay, well, what, what's God's name? And they sit there and they use these gymnastics to where you can finally boil down to Jesus is his name. But see, we have a problem in Matthew 28. And he says, go in the world and preach the gospel. Baptize him in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. That messes everything up. And that's singular, the name. Not the names, the name. Singular. And how many of you ever call your dad by his first name, your father? Anybody? If I did, my dad would have knocked out some teeth. I called my dad dad or father. Of course, the formal term would be father. You never call him by your name. So when we talk to the father, we call him father, don't we? Now, there's a lot of names in the Old Testament. You can call him, you can call him Jehovah, Jehovah Rothika, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah, all the names. There are a lot of names there which talk about his attributes. But if you want to know what a name is for me, it's Father. Yeah. It's really simple. I don't have to worry about that. So don't let them get you all tied up into this stuff. We baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, because all three of them were involved in our salvation. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. God is living within you this morning if you're a believer. Amen. You know him. And when you have the Holy Spirit living within you, even though you don't understand something, he gives you an, a basic saying, oh, it's okay, I can get a grasp of it. I can get a grasp of it. I don't have to worry about it. Because Well, I'm never going to be under, able to understand everything about God because my mind just is finite. And I can't understand. I can't grasp it. <clears throat> And because we're created in his image, we desire fellowship with each other and with God. We love to be in the presence of God. I know I do. I'm not kidding. When the presence of God is full, man, you can just stand there like this for hours and not even move. Just, just basking in the presence of God. We have worship this morning. Worship. Now, if you get into those songs, you just sit there and just bask in the presence of God. If you didn't sense the presence of God this morning during worship, you need to get on your knees till you do. Because when we get out of ourself, we can feel and sense God. Amen? <clears throat> the theologian Warfield wrote, The Old Testament may be likened to a chamber richly furnished, but dimly lighted. The introduction of life brings nothing into it which was not in it, in it before, but it brings into a clearer view much of what is in it dimly or, all precede, or at all precede before. 
When you go into a dark room you've never been into, you can't see the stuff that's in there. But you bring a little light in there, and all of a sudden, nothing was added to there. Nothing was added to it. It was all there at the same time. The only difference was is light illuminated it to us. And that's what happened. We had the Old Testament and all these things that talked about the Trinity, all the things that talked about the Messiah and who he would be and that God would die on our sins. He said, you will name me Emmanuel, God with us. Wow, I'll tell you, there's theology there if you'll just use it. And get them on the the, uh, defensive. Because there's enough in there to knock down there what they're trying to get you to suck, suck you into. They have this canned stuff that they use, but they don't know what it means. You have the basics. And the basics is true, and even though we can't understand it, the Spirit of God speaks to our heart, and we know it's true. Because the Holy Spirit lives within us. So I have God living in me this morning. And people go, oh, no. People go, oh, oh, no, that can't happen. And they look at you like you're weird. But that's what the Bible says. The Bible says when we become a believer, God lives within us. He dwells within us. He speaks to us. He directs us. He guides us. He tells us what is sin and what isn't. So if you're having a conviction, if somebody convicts you in your your mind, oh, I shouldn't do that, or I better not do that, better not say that, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God living in you. Talk about theology messing people up. That's it. How can God live within me if God wasn't a triune being? Impossible. He couldn't. The Trinity is a doctrinal truth that has always been true. Always been true. But they became knowable when Jesus came and revealed it to men at the incarnation of Christ. That's when everything started to make sense, when God actually revealed everything that there was. God was always a trinity. He always was, and he always will be. And we can't put all this stuff into a can and say, this is what it is, this is what we believe right here, because God is beyond all that. All we need to know is that God is a trinity. One substance, one DNA that exists in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And every single part of them are God. Can't separate them because they're all God. We have one God. Doesn't make any sense, but look at yourself. You are a triune being. God made us that way. We have an eternal being living inside us. At the moment of conception, we became an eternal being. We'll live forever. These bodies won't until they're changed, but we will live forever. And who we are isn't this body. You could take who I am and put me in a different body, and I'd still be the same person. Hopefully, if they do, they put me in a better-looking one. (laughs) And they're working on that, aren't they? Trying to download our consciousness to put it in something else because they want to be like God. (laughs) But the reality is there's only one God, whether we understand it or not. The Trinity is revealed by the Son coming and the Holy Spirit descending on the church. Now, one of the easiest examples I give of the Trinity I know people use the egg and they use the sun and all these things. I like to use water. <clears throat> now, you can have water. I don't matter how much you have, unlimited supply. That's God. Now, you can take some of that water and freeze it and it becomes solid. Is it still water? Or you can boil it and you have steam. Is it still water? You can separate, take water and separate it in three containers. Which part isn't water? The DNA of that is water. And that's the way God is. No matter what you do, it's God. One substance, one essence, but three. Three persons. Not a person like you or I. Not individual things. They they coexist eternally. 
and yet they're one God. We aren't going to be able to understand it fully, but I guarantee you, I've given you enough this morning to help you when you're dealing with other people. And I want you to come tonight. It's going to pick up this right here. And it's going to add some things to you that when I, when I seen this, it's a video. I'm not going to preach. I was going to preach because I was going to break this up into two or three sermons. But this video that I'm going to show tonight, it makes it, I, I was sitting there and I was going, wow, wow. I'm not kidding you. It was really, really good. And it goes into these kind of things and it starts with the water and shows us. So come tonight. Don't forget to come tonight to get the second part, to get that into your spirit to help you. But the reality is, no matter how much information you get, you can borrow my books, you can read them and try to understand them and comprehend them and, and whatever, and you're going to get a grasp on them. We all have a grasp of the Trinity. But we aren't going to be able to fully understand it, neither does anybody else. But we, hopefully you have enough to be able to keep people from trapping you into trying to say things that are trying to get you down a path. Because they have this certain thing that they train people, and they ask you this, and you're over here, and pretty soon you're right down the path they wanted you on. But you need to dissuade that and start by saying, what do you believe? You, what do you believe about God? And that'll change everything. Say, hey, psh, forget that. Nothing you say is true. Maybe you don't tell them that, but <laughs> you know, say, all right, cancel. It isn't true because it goes against this Bible. The only thing that goes along with this Bible is a triune God. Triunity, three, three personalities, three persons, if you will, one God, one essence, one DNA. Amen? You know in this morning, do you have the Trinity in your life? Because see, we're called, we're told to pray to the Father in the name of the Son through the Spirit. That's how we're told to pray. If it was just a Father or if it was just a Son, then why do we need to do that? Why do we pray like that? Because there's a Trinity. And we like to involve all, all of them in it. Doesn't matter, I don't have to understand it. I just do it. And when you study God's word, that's what it ends up with. Amen? Let's pray. Pray some Father, Lord, I thank you for this day, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I just ask, Lord, that even though a lot of this stuff may have been confusing to some here this morning, I pray, Lord, that you help them, Lord, to be able to grasp it so they're not turned by every wind of doctrine, Lord, that leads them down a path.